Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory with great warranties. Fabulous pre owned inventory. With the Sunbury Motors Guarantee, what does that mean? That means they go over every vehicle inch by inch. Eases the buying experience. And a terrific service department that needs more technicians. They have a lot of business. Uh, Routine to difficult. They can handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Right out of the gate from 247 Sports. Very pleased to bring in the outstanding Mark Brennan, my longtime friend. Great to have you with us again. It's great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Day after signing day, so I can take a deep breath and uh, you know get 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 back to work covering football. Yeah, um, I mean, you were there for a long period of time, uh, watching all this happen. You've now watched this unfold over the years. What's your take on how it's done? and the importance that is placed on it by the staff to the recruits as to how it's done. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, to me, Steve, the prevailing story yesterday, people want to talk about rankings, they want to talk about, you know, stars, they want to talk about everything else. But you make a good point. You know, the stability at Penn State, the way that they've handled things since James Franklin has been here on the recruiting front, it's been unbelievable the lack of drama on signing day. And that's yeah. not necessarily good for, for, for our business, you know, at, at Lines 247. You know, the, 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 the sites that tend to get the most traffic are the ones who are waiting for the last second commitment or a decommitment <laughs> or, or something else. But, and then, Steve, to top it off this year, you lose both coordinators and you have to replace them after the season. And you don't have a single decommitment. And and to me, that tells you what you need to know. So, yeah, we could talk about the rankings. We could talk about how Penn State has that cool war room set up. But, but all of that is – I don't want to say it's beside the point because it's not. It's, the, the things they do on signing day are an important part of their whole process. But it's the work they do the years leading up to signing day now. I mean, Cooper Cousins is a guy who committed in 2020, I think. So it's years and years and years of work. And and people think, oh, it's signing day. Look, all this is happening. That isn't – that's not when it's happening. It's happening for – multiple years it's happening at every one of those camps over the summer it's happening at every visit it's happening when the coaches go on the road it's happening when the coaches get no sleep for uh you know two weeks after the season ends because they're on the road recruiting so it's all those things in fact uh, you may have seen some coaches or parts of the recruiting staff if you're watching on facebook live or some of the pictures that mark took during the course of this of 
being on their cell phones. Well, they weren't talking to the current guys. Many of them were talking to the 25 and 26 guys saying this is going to be your day next year or the year after. And the thing is, we see that every single year. So people may or may not know, but but my daughter Grace is a student at Penn State, and she's an intern photographer for us. And I told her, you have to make sure you get photos of these guys on the phone because that's – Steve, you recognize it. But I think a lot of people may, may, may look at those photos and think, yeah, you know, these, these guys, they're, they're talking to their wives, you know, or they're talking to their grandma or, or whatever. No, they're, they are talking to recruits moving forward, and that's my point. This isn't something that is wrapped up in, you know, a, a couple of months. I mean, this is years in the making. And, you know, I'll, I'll dust off a, a blast from the past. That, you know, Penn State was kind of on the forefront of this when, you know, in, in, the, in the mid-'90s, they got a, a commitment from Joe Nastasi, I think, before his junior year. Yes, and, you know, that people just were not doing it. But it was a kid who's, who, who was thinking, you know, this is where I want to go. And obviously it ended up being just a great thing for, for Joe. And he became a very productive player at Penn State. And he's been in State College all these years. He's a member of the State High Coaching staff. But it goes back that far. Now, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that Franklin and company, James Franklin and company, have taken it to a different level, but only because you have to take it to a different level because everybody is operating at that pace now, years in advance, not days, not months, years in advance. Right, and exactly, and that's how it has to be done, which now brings me to this. You are an avid college basketball fan uh, and an avid college basketball watcher. College basketball has had an early signing period now for two and a half decades, which is usually the, what, uh, second Wednesday of November. Yes. And it goes off flawlessly every year, and there's never any problem, Uh, which means then the coaches can concentrate on other recruiting or, more particularly, on their team in the season. Does college football need to rethink what they're doing with the signing day and maybe have it, let's pick a date, the first week of August? Yeah, and here I wouldn't say the first. I don't know if it would be the first week of August. I think what they have to do is make life more tenable for these coaches. And I know people are going to say, uh, you know, these guys are making millions of dollars. But, you know, it used to be that, that – you you finish the season and these coaches who are human beings who come up for air for a week and now with the early signing day when it is so for people who don't know i mean the signing day used to be in february and then the coaches wanted an early signing day so they moved the early signing day to uh december 20th or you know right in the area that third, we're in right now right third third and, one, and, th- third wednesday of december is what it is yeah i knew you could put it better than i could put it <laughs> but the, the 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 problem is is that okay so that happens and then you make it so much easier for kids to transfer and then you limit the transfer portal window until that early december to early January, and now you're cramming the early recruiting period, you're cramming the transfer portal, where these coaches, they have to go out and recruit other transfers, but they also have to recruit their own players. They, right. they have to make sure their players are comfortable. And 
I mean, we know it's a fact of life now in college football. There's going to be coaching turnover almost every year, as we saw with Penn State. It's not always going to be this drastic, but hey, listen, I think Penn State is the perfect example where if 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 you're very good as a coordinator, you're not going to be around very long. Or if you're struggling as a coordinator, you're not going to be around very long. <laughs> it, it just, it's unfortunate, right? It's the way it is. It's like, yeah. so we saw both ends of it. And so, so my point being, Steve, is that you are cramming so much into such a small window. And the issue for these coaches is that they need people to protect them from themselves, especially yeah. a guy like James Franklin. And I say that in, in a complimentary way because – if he's put in a position where he has to outwork somebody, he is going to outwork them yep. at whatever cost. You know, like we saw at the at the bowl announcement where, you know, he admit he admitted he didn't look very good because he had been, you know, just grinding and grinding away. And please take that the right way, everybody. I am not saying that as a criticism. I'm saying that when you're in that position, if you are not taking every minute that you can to outwork your opponent, you're not doing your job. And he's going to do that. And you know the staff well enough, Steve, right? These guys are all wired the exact same way. And it's almost as if they, they need somebody to protect them from themselves. You could be critical. I remember when James Franklin was hired. He said something, and this resonates with me to this day. He said, he said, he joked, he said, there are better looking coaches than me. There are, there are better coaches than me, but no coach is going to outwork me. Right. And that's where this all comes into play is that you, these guys, to, to be successful, you have to work. James Franklin gets in there at what, six something a.m., and he's leaving yep. at 10 at night. And his, his assistants are the same way. They have, they have a daily meeting at 7 a.m. And, mm -hmm. It's so go, going back to where we started. I know I'm all over the place here, but yeah, you need an early signing period. Would August work? Yeah, I think August would work because you're getting ready for the preseason and things aren't being pulled all over the place. But at some point, I think it would be much better because let's face it, the kids we saw with Penn State this year, these kids. I mean, I think they had one one guy, Jalen Harvey, who committed in in October, and other yeah. and, and and everybody knew for for a year and a half that he was going to commit to Penn State. I think right. he just wanted to enjoy the process. So, so many of these kids just want to get the process over. Just do it in August. I agree. And I know I went a long way there, but I think there's more to it than just moving to date. It's like, right. you know, these coaches, I think, need to be able to take a deep breath every once in a while. And that was the point of the question in which you then uh, artfully ran with. Uh Tom Allen had a chance to meet with the media for the first time as the Penn State defensive coordinator. Your impressions? Well, he had a tough act to follow in Andy Kotelnicki, right? I mean, that's right. <laughs> nobody's right. going to come out. But no, I mean, I think I think we I think we all had a better feel for who Tom Allen is and what he's about. Than than Andy Kotelnicki, just because Andy not not that I mean yeah he was a little bit more under the radar he wasn't a head coach uh, he wasn't at high profile programs he wasn't in the Big Ten uh, so I think we know what Tom Allen's all about and yeah I'm definitely uh, you know nothing but impressed by by him and and I would hope that people as they look at the situation 
And I think a lot of people are, are looking at Indiana's defensive stats the last couple of years and seeing where they ranked in the Big Ten. There are a couple things to take into account. Number one, when you're the head coach, that is not necessarily a reflection on you. I mean, and ultimately, everything in the program is a reflection mm-hmm. on you, but he wasn't the one calling the defensive plays. Right. Number two, and I think this has gone way overlooked, Steve. Take a look at what the transfer portal has done to Indiana football. Yeah. And it's not just Michael Penix, right, who right. was a Heisman finalist. I mean, you go, and I, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, but, you know, you see Penn State, and, and typically Penn State's been losing some kids who are kind of, you know, maybe they would play next year, maybe they wouldn't. You know, maybe they're going to a place where they have a better opportunity and it's a win-win for everybody. Penn State's not losing Heisman winners, you know, or Heisman right. contenders, you know what I mean? And so Indiana was in a position where it's losing 20-plus players every single year. Yes. And if you think that's not going to impact where you are, I mean, do you think it's a coincidence that Indiana went from being competitive and as soon as the transfer portal really heats up, falls off the edge of the cliff? Right. And I think Penix is just a great example. You have we, we saw him. I mean, we could argue about whether that was a touchdown or not against Penn State. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, in that game, he single-handedly kept Indiana in that game. It was just fantastic. So what, whatever you think about the, the end of the game, that's fine. But you can't deny the level of player that he is. And when you're losing that level of player on offense, they were losing players not quite that good but they were losing many of their best defensive players as well. So you have to take all of that with a grain of salt. So bottom line is, you know, I, I think we all have a pretty good feel for how well James Franklin vets this stuff. And I think we all know that if he feels he makes a mistake, he'll, he'll, he'll make a change quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think Tom Allen's track record before these last couple of years is too good to just discount him based yeah. on a couple of seasons. Especially when he worked exclusively on that side of the ball before he became the head coach. Indiana right. had phenomenal defensive stats, and they were tough. Micah McFadden of the Giants will tell you how good this guy is. Next up, Pat Kraft was, has had a couple of opportunities. Uh, what have you learned, uh, if anything, uh, new about that? You know, I, I just think... The- James Franklin talks a lot about alignment, and you can yes. just see where, where they're at. You can see where, and I don't want it to come across the wrong way, but I think realistically speaking, if you want to have a successful athletic department at a, Penn, a place like Penn State, you have to dedicate the proper resources to football. It's just the case. That doesn't mean that does not mean you don't dedicate the proper resources to all the other sports. But we know what makes the money, right? We know what's going to generate the revenue. So I think when you have an AD who's willing to pay an Andy Kotelnicki, you know what 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 it'll cost. Uh, Tom Allen's probably a different story because I think he's probably okay financially anyway. I'm, I have no idea what he's going to be making, but yeah. uh, I know that he, he he walked away from the Indiana situation in, in a good spot. But you look at what they're doing with facilities. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the way they're trying to generate more revenue from from the football stadium, which you know I don't think Penn State has done a good enough job over the years. You have to have that alignment. 
with your football program and with your leadership if you want everybody to be as successful as possible. I mean, let's face it, it would be great if Penn State had a perennial top 10 basketball team, but it just hasn't. Now, Penn State basketball makes its share of money, but not at the level that football does. So you have this thing that generates all this money, and you have to dedicate the proper resources to it to be able to compete with everybody else. Now, I think the other side of that, Steve, is James Franklin has been saying this for years. If you've mm-hmm. listened closely, I know you have, but I mean you know, fans out there and observers, if you've listened closely, James has been talking for years about this alignment with yeah. you know, the football coaching staff being on the same page with the athletic department, being on the same page with university leadership. Yeah. And now he's getting it. Yeah. So what does that mean? Now the ball is in his court. He's mm-hmm. getting what he needs, what he said he's needed to compete at the highest level. Now you have to be able to to beat the Ohio States and Michigan, even though you're not playing Michigan for a while. But you, you get my point. I mean, right. y- y- you have the tools that you've been asking for. Now it's now the the ball is in James's court. He doesn't have every single tool, but he's getting the stuff that he needs. Now it's going to be a little bit different with the playoff coming in next year. And you don't, you're not going to have to be in a top four to be able to compete for a national title. But we'll see it. I mean, the, the Big Ten, even if they're not playing Michigan and Ohio State every single year, they're going to be playing good enough teams every single year with the addition of the Pac-12 teams that we're going to know if James is up to the challenge. And I'm anxious to see that because he's been asking for all these things for years. Now he's getting them. Now he has the alignment that he wants. Let's see how he reacts to it. Exactly. Very quickly, quick synopsis, the matchup with Ole Miss at the Peach Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's kind of billing it as this, you know, great offense against this great defense. And I'm not sure that I necessarily quite, you know, see it that way. I mean, I look at Ole Miss and what they did offensively against the two best teams on its schedule, Alabama and Georgia, scoring a total of 27 points. And a team that took a hit losing its best offensive lineman. Uh, so I don't know. You know, my, my sense is that this is going to be a low-scoring game, mm-hmm. Steve. Um, I, I know that's kind of antithetical to what we've seen from Penn State in bowl games where, you know, recently where a, a lot of them become, become shootouts. But I just think the strength of this Penn State team is defense. I think even with the coordinator change, I, I like their defensive coaching staff, and I think they're going to be able to do what they need to do. And then offensively, I think they're going to be in a position where, you know, Ty Howell and Jay Wansider are going to be comfortable enough running the ball that this isn't yeah. going to be a high-scoring yeah. game. So I'm thinking – I'll give you my pick because I've already done it for our TV show. Uh, it's it's Penn State 24, Ole Miss 17. Um, again, I like Ole Miss. I like Jackson Dart, the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, the running back's really good. They have good weapons at receiver. But I keep going back to that offensive line. And even without Chop, I, you know, I really like what I saw from the Penn State defensive line. And I, and I love what Penn State's linebackers are able to do rushing the passer. So I think mm-hmm. it's going to be – I don't think yeah. it's going to be a great day for that Ole Miss offense. We'll see if yeah. I'm wrong. 
Yeah, the one tackle is, is definitely out. The other tackle is still iffy. Hey, Mark, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Grace did another great job. And uh, appreciate everything. Happy holidays to Stacy, Grace, you. Appreciate you very much. Yeah, to your family as well, Steve. Thank you.